We are live. We are live. What is going on today, Justin? <laughs> We're here. We're back. <laughs> 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 we are back chapter 37 i love it you are totally decked out today purple everything love it you know, purple's my jam i know purple's a good it's a good color Justin, do you want to start us off with reading verse one of chapter 37 let's do it okay now Jacob lived in the land where his father had lived as a stranger in the land of Canaan. These are the records of the generations of Jacob. Joseph, when he was 17 years of age, was pasturing the flock with his brothers while he was still a youth, along with the sons of Bilhah and the sons of Zilpah, his father's wives. And Joseph brought back a bad report about them to their father. Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his other sons because he was the son of his old age. And he made him a multicolored tunic. And his brothers saw that their father loved him more than all his brothers. And so they hated him and could not speak to him on friendly terms. Verse 1, as I mentioned before, really starts off kind of ending Jacob's time as the central character of this historical narrative. And so that's really what verse 1 is all about. Moving on to verses two through four, we ultimately find out that Joseph's a very young man, 17. Some of y'all are 17. And when you're 17, you, th I, I thought that I was very, very, very smart. <laughs> um, Turns out you're not as smart as you think you are when you're 17. Th that's true. That's true. And I would, I would argue very that. true. I would argue that 20 years from now, you and me will think that we're, we weren't nearly as smart as we thought we were now. You know what I mean? So I think this. Yeah, but I still think that I will feel like I'm less dumb now <laughs> than I was at 17. That's true. You and me might have been particularly dumb, though. Okay. I was particularly dumb at 17. I, I would put myself into that category as well. But I would just say that. You can be you can be very smart at seventeen, much smarter than you and me. Needs to say, you know, at seventeen, you know, you you are still learning about the best ways to communicate, and so I would just keep that in mind, right? Joseph's a very very young man, you know, coming into adulthood, but you know, still has a little bit to to learn here, and so he's not going to get everything right, you know. I mean, no matter how what how old you are, you're not going to get everything right. So, and we see that um, he was ultimately out with his brothers. Now, these brothers and pasturing a flock, okay, which is basically just moving the flock along to have them graze and and eat food. Joseph ultimately brings a bad report to their father about his brothers. Now. Should this bad report really be that much of a surprise? I would argue no. I mean, J Jacob's, I'm sorry. No, Joseph's brothers were actually 
into some pretty scammy stuff in previous chapters. Um, and we could say scammy. I mean, they they ultimately use deception just like their father Jacob to ultimately convince an entire the entire people of Shechem to get circumcised, and then ultimately came in and killed every last uh, man of the town. Scammy. And you could argue that they did that potentially to get their sister back. Um, Dinah, I believe it was. Yep, homegirl. And um, so you could argue maybe, you know, maybe they were justifying that. It's hard. It's really hard to say. However, um, they ultimately killed every single man uh, there. And um, their father was not happy about that not happy about that one single bit so and then they stole all their stuff yeah you know i mean so these guys weren't exactly um could have been into bad stuff you know they could have been yeah, into bad they weren't stuff. they weren't walking old ladies across the, they weren't helping old ladies across the street they're not those kind of dudes right that's right that's right that's not what it seems seems to to us so far and so the fact that they were up to no good and they were partially raised right in this land of Shechem, which was also up to no good, you know, in part. So, I mean, th there's, you know, these guys, the fact that Joseph brought a bad report um, seems to be an indication and an implication that these guys were, you know, participating in some wicked behavior. So not good things, um, which is good to know. Justin. Yes, yeah, so as Henry said, um, we've switched, and the main character now is Joseph. And actually, this is going to be uh, – there's going to be a focus on Joseph to go ahead and close out the book of Genesis. So we're kind of in our last stretch as far as the protagonist that we're going to be focused on. So the author is clear here that the descendants of Abraham have not taken possession of the land. They got it promised yet because he talked about um, – Moses addressed them as, as, as strangers in the land. So we see, as Henry was talking about with the bad report, Joseph was obedient in that he brought back um, an accurate account to his father of what was going on. But then Jacob's favoritism caused uh, problems in the family. Um, so we see that Joseph was being favored by their father. And, and in uh, part, right? I mean, Joseph was the son of Jacob's favorite wife, Rachel. Right. And so this is really of no surprise that Joseph ends up getting favored um, in this circumstance. Also, in previous chapters, we learned that Jacob ends up ordering his family <laughs> in a very clear rank of who was most important and who was least important whenever he was coming back to visit his brother Esau, who he feared might kill him and potentially his entire family. And so um, the fact that Joseph was favored is not a huge surprise either. Yes, and so he ended up giving Joseph elaborate gifts, um, like a, a multicolored tunic, which could refer to um, or could be significant that Joseph would re receive more inheritance or that he would be a future leader of the family. Um, those could have been signs for that back in that time. But either way, Joseph's favoritism um, with being uh, the favorite of their father along with him, along with 
Joseph telling on his brothers, we see that uh, his brothers hate him uh, as we kind of start this chapter. Right. So this attribute of favoritism that passed down from Jacob's father, Isaac, Isaac also practiced favoritism. Isaac preferred Esau and favored Esau. Rebecca favored Jacob. And so anyways, this is important <laughs> in my opinion, because you notice some, the attributes and characteristics of one person can potentially pass on through the generations. And it just, it creates all types of problems. And we're going to see how that favoritism really plays out here. So be very careful. Your actions today can have an impact on many generations in the future. Then Joseph had a dream. And when he told it to his brothers, they hated him even more. He said to them, please listen to this dream, which I have had for behold, we were binding sheaves in the field and behold my sheaf stood up and also remained standing and behold your sheaves gathered around and bowed down to my sheaf then his brother said to him are you actually going to reign over us or are you really going to rule over us so they hated him even more for his dreams and for his words. Then he had yet another dream and informed his brothers of it and said, Behold, I have had yet another dream. And behold, the sun and the moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. He also told it to his father as well as to his brothers. And his father rebuked him and said to him, what is this dream that you have had? Am I and your mother and your brothers actually going to come to bow down to the ground before you? And his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. So in addressing verses five through eight, um, we just see in, in general, as the, in the rest of this book, starting with verses five through eight, the dreams are, were a big part of Joseph's life and how God communicated with him prophetically. Um, and we're going to continue to see how that was significant as we read uh, the following chapters. So God also communicated with Abraham, Jacob, and, and others uh, through dreams in, in the book of Genesis. So th this dream used uh, an agricultural illustration, and I'm going to talk more about that in the, when I discuss the following verse as well. So um, Joseph, being a younger brother, culturally would not rule over his brothers, but we see that God disrupts the cultural norms, as we saw with Jacob and Esau, um, as we're going to find out in, in future chapters. And so this event only served to make his brothers even more angry with Joseph. So this is where we want to get some interaction and, and get some opinions of, of some of our viewers. Um, I personally see Joseph as the most righteous man in the book of Genesis, uh, or sorry, one of the most righteous. He's definitely a character that it's, um, it's hard to find fault in him, except in this one area. And um, Joseph is one of Henry's favorite, favorite men in the Bible. And so me and Henry have uh, argued about this for, for years. But here's what I'm thinking. 
Joseph was super righteous. I admire him. Hey, top guy in Genesis. But here, I think that Joseph was potentially being a spoiled brat. Um, here's the thing. Joseph knew that he was receiving favoritism, and that wasn't his fault. Joseph knew the circumstances, and I think it lacks definitely maturity. As, as Joseph, the, the way that, as we read on, the way that Joseph handled situations, I would hope to handle situations half as good in the rest of my life as Joseph handled situations. But in this situation right here, I think there's, we see a real lack of maturity and discernment and maybe potentially a spoiled brat. So that's my side of the story. Henry has a different side. And whoever you agree with, put in the comments below. Go, Henry. I, go. I, I actually already addressed this heavily. If y'all didn't hear earlier, I heavily emphasized how young, emphasized how young Joseph was. And is that a, an excuse for all of Joseph's actions? Absolutely not. You know, Joseph... I'm sure could have handled the situation better. I think it's clear that Joseph thought that his dreams were clearly important and thus he wanted to share them. But the way he goes about it sounds like he could have done it in a better way. Um, whether he was supposed to share them or not, you know, maybe he ultimately keeps that to himself. But regardless, he was... He was excited about these dreams because he clearly thought they were important. And so I would agree he definitely was unwise in his approach. The fact you're 17 doesn't mean you have to be unwise. But if Joseph was a 30-year-old man at this point and still doing stuff like this, I would seriously, seriously question his street smarts, you know, his, his wisdom, you know, for doing something like this. Yeah, it's tough. Uh, definitely Joseph, um, he's being favored. He has a special tunic. And he's also ratting out his brothers, you know? I mean, sending out bad reports. I mean, you're not going to make... <laughs> you're not going to make any friends with that combination. <laughs> Justin, you were kind of digging into that. Did you want to discuss more about the dreams? Yes. So now moving on to verses 9 through 11... Um, in ancient culture, astronomical symbols could represent rulers. So as Joseph mentioned here, the sun, the moon, and the stars. And so the 11 stars represented his 11 brothers who would bow down to him in the future. And so God was confirming with the second dream that, that this was prophetic. And it, and it was still an illustration using the, the astronomical symbols um, which communicated the same idea that he was going to be a ruler. However, like the other dream that God gave Joseph earlier, this wasn't a, a clear communication, right? It was, it was God used illustration to communicate the message, not his voice to tell Joseph something directly. So, so Joseph understood the interpretation of the dreams. And so this actually ends up being very significant language because it is used again in Revelation chapter 12. And so if you take a futuristic approach to how you interpret the, the book of Revelation, you use this in looking at and interpreting what the focus is in, in certain areas. And so we see in Revelation chapter 12 that the focus is, 
Israel. And, and let me just read that real quick. So uh, Revelation chapter 12, a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and on her head, a crown of 12 stars. And she was pregnant and she cried out being in labor and in pain to give birth. So this is um, the woman here that's talked about is the nation of Israel with the 12 tribes and uh, John the apostle borrowed this language from the book of Genesis to communicate what was going on, to communicate and talk about Israel, the, the nation of Israel. So as we see in, in the closing out verse of this section, that even though uh, his father Jacob rebuked him for telling this dream, the text says that Jacob still thought about what Joseph said. Absolutely. And just to, to kind of repeat a couple things, um, one, it's my understanding that these sheaves was a prophet, specifically why sheaves, why not anything else? You know, why were, why were it sheaves? Why were in the first stream, all the individuals were represented as sheaves or something else? This apparently was prophetic to the fact that his brothers would in the future come to Joseph for food. And then as Justin mentions, these, these star, this moons and stars analogy was more of a greater, a much, a much greater prophecy. And not only, you know, not only would his brothers come to come to him for food, but he would actually rule a nation. And so, yeah, anyways, let's move on to verse 12, unless you have something else. Nope, I'm good. Then his brothers went to pasture their father's flock in Shechem. And Israel said to Joseph, Are your brothers not pasturing the flock in Shechem? Come, and I will send you to them. And he said to him, I will go. Then he said to him, Go now and see about the welfare of your brothers and the welfare of the flock, and bring word back to me. So he sent him from the valley of Hebron, and he came to Shechem. A man found him, and behold, he was wandering in the field. And the man asked him, what are you looking for? He said, I am looking for my brothers. Please tell me where they are pasturing the flock. The man said, they have moved from here. For I heard them say, let's go to Dothan. So Joseph went after his brothers and found them at Dothan. Okay, so this is, this is pretty straightforward. Basically, Jacob asked his favorite son, Joseph, to go check up on his brothers again and ultimately we know that the brothers already hate joseph and he has a history of telling on his brothers when his brothers are up to no good and so the reality is um jacob doesn't do joseph any favors here <laughs> you know what i mean sending him as like kind of it's kind of like this manager right it's kind of a manager that comes back and gives a, a gives a report to and so it's almost like joseph is in you know i don't want to say in charge but has an influence ultimately on what his brother's um favor is going to be with the, with their father J you know jacob jacob's trusting joseph to you know give a report on her their brothers that's a manager's job. You know what I mean? That's a, 
that's the job of a trust someone you trust and ultimately they know that Joseph has the power to you know determine their fate. I do think it's interesting that um Jacob ultimately goes to check on check up on them and they're not in the location that their father thought that they would be in. Now obviously when you're pasturing blocks aka ranching it's possible that they had a good reason to be in a different spot. It's also possible they didn't have a good reason, right? And they were doing something they shouldn't be doing, which they have a history of doing already, right? Doing bad stuff. So uh, that's important because whenever Joseph rolls up on his brothers, if they're not in the spot where they're supposed to be, maybe that they're... they're <laughs> it's going in the report. <laughs> it's going in the report. Yeah, so as we see, Joseph was obedient to his father and going to check on his brothers. And uh, he ended up having to travel around 65 miles uh, to meet up with the, to check on his brothers and see where they were and how they were uh, pasturing the flock. Absolutely. It's a long way to travel. And Dothan, from what I read, was actually um, maybe even you know, 15 miles north of that. Right. So it would have been 50 miles from where he was uh, to, to Shechem and then 50 miles on top of that. So that 50, was the, another 15, 50? no, no, 15, one, no, that, five. Yeah. That, that, that's why I said 65 miles. Cause oh, okay. where he was to Shechem was 50 and then Dothan was 15 miles more. So, yeah. All right. Verse 18. When they saw him from a distance and before he came closer to them, they plotted against him to put him to death. They said to one another, here comes this dreamer. Now then come and let's kill him and throw him into one of the pits. And we will say a vicious animal devoured him. Then we will see what will become of his dreams. But Reuben heard this and rescued him out of their hands by saying, let's not take his life. Then Reuben said to them, shed no blood, throw him into this pit that is in the wilderness, but do not lay a hand on him so that later he might rescue him out of their hands to return him to his father. So it came about when Joseph reached his brothers that they stripped Joseph of his tunic, the multicolored tunic that was on him, and they took him and threw him into the pit. Now the pit was empty without any water in it. So Joseph's half-brothers now, as we see in these verses, plotted to kill him. So Reuben convinced the other brothers not to kill Joseph, but instead to just throw him in a pit. And, and Reuben had the plan to come back and rescue Joseph later. And one of the lessons we see here is it's, it's best to get control over our thoughts and emotions uh, and deal with them early instead of letting them continue on to becoming actions. I would like to read in Exodus uh, chapter 20. So the last of the 10 commandments, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife or his male slave or his female slave or his ox or his donkey or anything that belongs to your neighbor. So the idea of coveting is this idea in, 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 in your mind, your heart. You can't 
you could covet privately and, and no one would know it. But the idea here, as we also see on the, the Sermon on the Mount and just the things that Jesus said, is that sin starts in the heart and then leads to actions. And so we saw how that happened with Joseph's half-brothers. And so in our lives, when we are feeling jealous or envious or angry or whatever about something, we should deal with it in a biblical way and address it uh, while it's a heart issue before it becomes a behavioral issue. Yeah. His brothers were jealous of Joseph, you know, for a number of reasons. Um, and I completely agree. I mean, obviously, he's rolling around with a special tunic. He's his dad's favorite kid, basically. And he gets special treatment. He's basically is acting in a and has similar roles as a manager over them, you know. And now he's having, he's having these special dreams in which he says that he's going to rule over them. I mean, there's a lot there. Um, obviously, they just don't like him because of that. Maybe, maybe you know, like Justin said, he's spoiled. He's being kind of a brat, kind of braggadocious, you know, in his actions. I mean, he's taking this tunic out, to, to, you know, out in front of his brothers all the time. Guess what? His brothers didn't, according to the, the chapter here, I don't hear about his brothers getting any special tunics. You know what I mean? So... This is just a symbol of the favoritism that he has within the family. And so to piggyback along with what Justin said, whenever there's a fellow Christian or fellow anybody that's seeing success, I think we should be happy for them, you know, not not show be show, you know, covetedness. You know, every, God gives all of us different blessings and um, we should cheer them on not to be ultimately a hater. You know, as soon as you're jealous or whatever, that's not the right emotion to be had. Why wouldn't you want your friends to succeed? Why wouldn't you want people to succeed? Anyways, Reuben is the oldest son here. And if you recall from chapter 35, Reuben actually slept with his father's wife, Bilhah. Whoa, Rubes. Yeah, that's in chapter 35 verse 22 but he's the good guy in this section and israel ultimately find out about it. yeah so there's some question it's like maybe maybe reuben was trying to get back on his father's good side you know what i mean for ultimately saving uh his brother or maybe reuben had noble intentions it's hard to it's hard to say um rubes exactly but reuben reuben messed up a little bit in the past and and one, one way to get back in your father's good graces would absolutely be to save <laughs> his favorite son from these bloodthirsty brothers of his. So um, that's something ultimately to be noted. Here's the other big thing on this one, specifically in verse 19, they said to one another, here comes this dream dreamer. And then it goes on later in verse 20, the second half of verse 20, then we will see what will become of his dreams if they kill him essentially. And so, listen, Joseph's dreams cannot be for prophetic if he's dead, right? You're not going to be the, the in charge of anybody if you're buried six feet under the ground. So, um, at this point, if these dreams were prophetic and his brothers were concerned that they were potentially true, then not only are his brothers looking to 
take Joseph out and and keep this right. But they're also really fighting against God's will. You know what I mean? Which is also totally not That's a good a idea. Proposition. Say what? That's a losing battle. That's a losing battle. Yeah. I mean, so whatever you do, don't get in the you don't get in the way of God's will. So uh, just a couple of interesting things there. So verse twenty five. Then they sat down to eat a meal. But as they raised their eyes and looked, behold, a caravan of Ishmaelites was coming from Gilead with their camels carrying Lad Banum resin, balsam, and myrrh on their way to bring them down to Egypt. And Judah said to his brothers, What profit is it for us to kill our brother and cover up his blood? Come and let's sell him to the Ishmaelites and not lay our hands on him, for he is our brother, our own flesh. And his brothers listened to him. Then some Midianite traders passed by. So they pulled him out and lifted Joseph out of the pit and sold him to the Ishmaelites for 20 shekels of silver. So they brought Joseph into Egypt. So they throw Joseph in this pit, verse 25. Then they sit down to eat. <laughs> so Joseph's taking care of let, might as well just chill out and have a little bit of a snack, you know. Enjoy some enjoy some time. Lunchtime. That's right. That's right. Um, and then all of a sudden while they're eating, they see some Ishmael, Ishmaelites. They see a caravan of Ishmaelites, okay, with their camels carrying all, all this stuff that they're ultimately going to take down to Egypt. So these are traders, right? These are people moving stuff to ultimately take down to Egypt, things of value. And the Ishmaelites were the descendants of guess who? Who do you think that is, Justin? Abraham and Hagar. Okay, so so tell us a little bit more about Ishmael, if you would, please. Yes, yeah, so... Uh, Abraham, so his second wife, Hagar, who, who Sarah um, convinced him to, to take in order to have the promised child, they had a son named Ishmael. And then Sarah got mad and sent them off. And so, um, but then God visited Hagar in the wilderness and told her that Ishmael would become a, a nation, um, but that he was a wild man and that his, the nation would would just fight with everybody and all that kind of stuff and so um but the nation but the, that nation would be prosperous absolutely and so these are people from that nation from the nation of the ishmaelites so the reason why i want to point this out very clearly is this is a lot of this is all interconnected right we just learned about ishmael several chapters ago and now they're running to some ishmaelites here so these are pretty much the cousins, right? This is pretty much their cousins that are roll that are rolling down, down the road here. And so, um, and then they come up with a plan. Hey, uh, specifically Judah comes up with a plan to sell Joseph into slavery as opposed to killing him. And so it's clear here that Judas, Judah didn't. It sounds like he wasn't a huge fan of killing him either. He thought this might be a better idea ultimately to get some get some money off of them. I'm not saying that Judah's particularly noble in this case, but um, 
seems that maybe Judah wasn't super excited and didn't relish in killing Joseph. Otherwise, he probably wouldn't have come up with this idea. And ultimately, if you're being sold into slavery uh, to these traders, you know, it's really hard for you to become the ruler of your family if, if you never see your family again. You know, so this also kind of solves that um, problem that they had with ultimately him having all these dreams. So they, his brothers sold him for 20 shekels of silver, which is actually eight ounces um, of silver by today's standards. This appears to be the average price uh, for a slave in that time. It also appears that Joseph was sold into slavery around the end of the reign of Pharaoh Ammonimus II. Um, this will become more relevant in later chapters when Joseph's relationship with the ruling Pharaoh takes center stage of the story. But it is believed that Joseph was sold into slavery around 1897 B.C. Whoa. Okay, that was a long time ago. Verse 29. Okay, now Reuben returned to the pit, and behold, Joseph was not in the pit, so he tore his garments. He returned to his brothers and said, The boy is not there. As for me, where am I to go? So they took Joseph's tunic and slaughtered a male goat and dipped the tunic in the blood and they sent the multicolored tunic and brought it to their father and said we found this please examine it to see whether it is your son's tunic or not then he examined it and said it is my son's tunic a vicious animal has devoured him joseph has surely been torn to pieces so jacob tore his clothes and put on a sackcloth undergarment over his waist, and mourned for his son many days. Then all his sons and all his daughters got up to comfort him, but he refused to be comforted. And he said, Surely I will go down to Sheol in mourning for my son. So his father wept for him. Meanwhile, the Midianites sold him in Egypt to Potiphar, Pharaoh's officer, the captain of the bodyguard. So we see his brother Reuben. Joseph's brother Reuben was very upset over what happened to Joseph. And in this section, um, while Jacob once was the clever deceiver, now he is being deceived by his sons, uh, just like he had deceived his father. And so uh, Jacob, when he was younger, had deceived his father using goat skin, and now his sons were deceiving him uh, using goat's blood. So once in Egypt, Joseph was sold to Potiphar, who was Pharaoh's captain of the guard. And so the name Potiphar possibly meant the one whom the god Ra has given, or the one who is placed on earth by Ra. And so Ra was the Egyptian god of the sun um, or the kings or the sky. Yeah, as we see here, Reuben's big plan to ultimately put Joseph into a pit and then come back and get him out of the pit, thus saving his brother 
from being murdered. That whole plan is foiled because when Reuben comes back, his brothers ultimately sold Joseph into slavery. And so ultimately Reuben being the eldest of the brothers likely would have been the one that was most responsible for his brother. And so the fact that his brother ultimately was devoured, you know, it's not a good look. Reuben fails again. That's one big reason why you don't want to get two sins back to back. (laughs) That's a general rule. Don't go back to back on the sins. Okay. You know, uh, I'm not saying he was sitting here. Uh, He he tried his best ultimately. Um, But, you know, he failed his father, right? Again, and it doesn't specifically say that, but him being the oldest, like I said, could have come off that way. Um, we see deception again, as Justin mentioned. Man, that deception is just funneling down this family lineage. It's like deception all over the place. Um, you don't need to deceive people ultimately to receive God's blessing. You know, you can ulti- you can ultimately do that in the good old fashioned way which is patience, you know, hard, hard work and patience and relying upon God for that. And so also we see Jacob, you know, Jacob earlier in the chapter kept the matter in mind. We read in verse 11 of this chapter, right after we hear that Joseph has delivered this second dream to his father. His father's not happy about it. His father rebukes him. In verse 11, it says, his, and his brothers were jealous of him, but his father kept the matter in mind. So I think his father thought there might be something to this. And it makes sense, right? Jacob had some pretty incredible dreams that ultimately had a huge influence on his life. So it makes sense that he would take his son's dreams very seriously especially knowing all the promises that God had for this family. And so, but we see here the fact that his son, he believes his son is is now past. Joseph clearly didn't believe in the dream that strong, uh, because if he did, then he would maybe question a little bit more that maybe my son is in fact not dead. So didn't have that huge, 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 strong of a, of a conviction ultimately in those dreams. Finally, um, Potiphar, he's a big deal. Notate that ultimately, because that ultimately is who Joseph is the slave of. And so Joseph's master is Potiphar. And that's going to pick up into the next chapter. Potiphar according to some of the commentaries I read, would have been in charge of the king's executioners who carried out the capital sentences ordered by Pharaoh. Yes, so my closing application would be that uh, we see in life and in scripture that even if we behave righteously, suffering can occur. And so I'm sure that Joseph had to wonder, how can my experience of being sold as a slave fit with God's plan of me being a ruler like you revealed to me in these dreams. 
And so one of the things I believe gave Joseph hope is that he believed God's plan for his life, despite what he was experiencing in the moment. And as we see, testing and developing development of character in order to be used by God is where this story is headed. And it's also a biblical principle. Um, there's a book in the New Testament that addresses this. It's in uh, James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. Consider it all joy, my brothers and sisters, when you encounter various trials, knowing that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its perfect result, so that you may be perfect and complete, lacking in nothing. Absolutely. My final thoughts on this is, I think we see a lot of um, immaturity from Joseph. Um, we see a lot of sins kind of passing down from, you know, generations that just seem to just keep coming up, um, which is, you know, important with regards to mature immaturity, right? I mean, I think us being mature, you know, sometimes it's not cool to be a mature 17 year old, you know, but really it's in terms of actually having extremely valuable use of your time at that age, it's irreplaceable, you know? I mean, anybody who could be 17 in their high school sharing the gospel is gonna be able to do that in a way in which Justin and I aren't gonna be able to do exactly. We're not gonna be able to do it the same way. If we could go back and change it up, unequivocally, we would both wanna do that. No question about it. Like. I'll trade everything that I was doing in high school for an opportunity to go back and, and serve God more during that time. So despite justice and maturity, I think we can still strive to be wise and mature at that age. Since of the father, I would just be very wary that let's not continue to pass down sins. So your sins have a huge impact on other people, a huge influence. You never know who's looking or watching. You never know who looks up to you. And so, I would say just about everybody has somebody looking up to them. So what you do, people are watching and they're looking and you can have an absolute huge influence on many, many people to come. And finally, I think this, this particular um, chapter hones in on jealousy. Let's lift our brothers up. You know what I mean? Let's lift our brothers up and be stoked about their successes. Let's not be jealous. Listen, there's enough to go around. You know, God gave everyone blessings, uh, different um, skill sets and blessings and, we should be stoked to see our brothers, you know, be incredible at one thing or another. You know what I mean? That should, that should lift us up and get us excited. Don't be jelly. That's right. That's right. Don't be jelly. Yeah, totally a lot to take away. Joseph's life, very cool. This is just the beginning, tip of the iceberg. Joseph sold into slavery. This is a bad day right? Joseph can't be stoked about this, right? First off, his brothers want to kill him. They throw him into a pit. Now he's sold into slavery as someone who, I mean, he's property now. I mean, just a few minutes before that, he's the favorite son with the tunic, you know? Now he's pretty much as low as you can go, right? I don't know how much you go lower than being, you know, than ultimately being slave. And I mean, lower, not as like, Slaves don't have less value than anybody else, but it's just not, it's not the most great place to be in. It, it, it's a lower social status. That's right. 
So anyways, everybody, thank you so much. Super stoked to get into chapter 38. Hope everyone has a brotastic bro day and we'll bro you later. See us.